Hello there. This is Wale Olulano, the presiding apostle of Harmony Christian Ministries. I'm happy that you can join us today in our podcast. I pray today's message will encourage, edify, and illuminate your heart, wherever your circumstances may be. Please relax and enjoy. Please turn in your Bibles with me this morning to 1 Chronicles 13. 1 Chronicles chapter 13. We're going to read from verse 1. The Bible says, Then David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds, with every leader. And David said to all the assembly of Israel, If it seems good to you, and if it is of the Lord our God, let us send out our brethren everywhere who are left in, in all the land of Israel, and with them to the priests and the Levites who are in the cities and in their common lands, that they may gather together, and gather to us. That is a gathering sense in what David is saying. We send out men. We gather together for a common purpose. Let us bring the ark of our God back to us. For we have not inquired of it since the days of Saul. Then all the assembly said that they would do so. For this thing seems right in the eyes of all the people. Verse 8. Then David and all Israel played music before God with all their might with singing and harps on stringed instruments and tambourines and cymbals and with trumpets. Quickly, one more reading. Revelations 21. And I'll read one verse. Revelations 21 verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them May God dwell with you in your home. And they shall be his people. May you be his people. Remain his people. God himself will be with them. May God be with you again. And he will be their God. This morning in the title of my exhortation is God is with us. Why you look at everyone in your family, wherever you are, you look at yourself. If you are by yourself at all, say, God is with me. And I want you to say for us as a house, God is with us. Say that loud. God is with us. Amen. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what's, what's going on right now. Even if you can't explain it, God is with us. We look at our nation, God is with us. Look at the nation of the United States of America where things are looking at, is this not America? Am I looking at a third world country? God is with them. This time, I want you to know that in all times, God is with us. My question this morning is, are we with God? Father, we thank you for your word. We bless your name. Because there's an assurance that you are with us all the way. This morning, we ask that we will receive instructions and grace for us to be able to access your presence. For also be able to bring you to birth in every situation of our lives. So we will not dwell like a people who are walking in darkness. We will not be like a people who are godless. We ask you in the name of Jesus that you will show yourself strong on our behalf. In Jesus name we pray. Now you know what it is regarding our friend David. Where we left him last week. He became the king finally. Started his journey as a king in a little place. But by the end of the day, he became the king of Israel. So, having unified the nation as the king, David settled in Jerusalem. Jerusalem became his political headquarters. 
his economic headquarter and he had this desire that it's not enough for him. In fact, it is not it for him. Jerusalem where he is has to be his religious headquarter. David felt that he would go no step further without bringing to birth the visible presence, corporate presence of God. Now David knew very well before now, you must know, that David was a man who was after God's own heart. So personally he didn't feel detached from God. It wasn't that David felt he had become far from God, no. But David was saying, it's not just about me, it's about us. David realized that there's something about the nation. Something about the nation that had drifted. Something about the nation that reduced the relevance of God. Something about the nation that has turned God to be non-essential. David realized there was a time that this nation will not go to war without God. They will not go to war without flying the banner of God. But something happened to the nation. The pause became more important than God. And so David knew it was important to do something about that. Now I can understand if David was going through trouble at this time. And he felt, I need God because I'm in trouble. I can understand if there was imminent challenge against him. And he said, God, can I overtake? No. David had no apparent trouble. David wasn't fighting a battle at this time. David's job was secured. His family was fine. In fact, he was producing children all over the place. David knew his job was secured no matter what was going on with the economy. But David knew, I am not complete without putting God where God must be. My question to you this morning is, where have you placed God? In all that is going on around you. Thank God for your beautiful house. Thank God for your beautiful family. But where is God? Oh, pastor, I know God. God is in it, yeah. But is God it for the whole family? Where have we put God on the dining table? Where is God in the front room? Where is God in the concept of our plan as a family? David knew. We cannot go forward without bringing in God. David knew that there has, to, at this point, there was no central worship in Israel. He said, we must bring God back because from the days of Saul, there has been no relevance and no reference to the ark of God. Now there's something going on there. Something going on there. David somehow called back the history. Because David knew a people who do not take their history serious are the people who forfeit the right interpretation of their future battles. If you don't acknowledge where God, what God has done in the past, you will not be able to bring God into your future challenges and say, this is what God did, the God that did this for my fathers. Where is the God of Elijah? My dear friends, the songwriter said our God of ages past is our hope of what? Of years to come. David, there's something at this point that we need to begin to press into as a country, United Kingdom. 
David began to prioritize bringing in the central worship once again as a focus of the nation. He made up his mind that I'm going to influence people now. Why is this important? I want you to look at the approach that David did. He had a wide consultation. He called on all the elders and all the leaders of the hundreds and the thousands. He called on all the tribes. This is not a thing. I'm a king. I can do what I want to do, but it's not just about me. I want you to understand why we must all together worship God. I know you can sleep. I know you can seek God on your own. But I want you to know that there is something about a corporate worship. There's something about a, a national day of prayer. There's something about a church praying. There's something about all gathering together in a place. Even if that be online, we must gather together. That becomes church. And that is the time when we have to gather together physically. That is church. This is a David that called on God in the darkness. A David that called on God in the cave. It's a David that knew I could call on God anywhere, but he's saying there is a nation that had drifted. Have we drifted as church? Have we drifted as believers? Have we drifted as a family? As I'm speaking to us right now, are we together? It's okay to say God is with us, but are we with God? Let's bring back the ark. I said to myself, David is talking about the ark. Do you know something interesting about the ark? David has never in his entire life watched it by the altar of the ark. In fact, by this time, the ark had been missing from the national subject for about 100 years. It was even before Saul's time. He was before Saul's time when the ark was captured. Now, this is the ark we're talking about. The ark represented, it was a symbol of God's presence. We know God is everywhere, but the ark represented God is here. It's just like why God said, I will build my church. We know that this inside each one of us is the presence of God, the house of God. But he said, I will still build my house. So the ark represented that God is with us. The ark was a symbol. When we brought the ark into battles, the Bible said there was victory. Whenever they brought in the ark, the enemy is in victory. There was a time they brought in the ark into the camp. And my dear friends, you know what happened? Then there was a shout of praise in the army camp, I mean amongst the soldiers, and their enemies had, and they said, we are finished. Their gods have risen against us. But my dear friends, we can have the ark, but until we have the ark in us, he doesn't produce his result. So there was a time Israel had drifted from God. There was no seen priest among them. And no word that is living. And they brought in the ark that we just put in the ark there. We'll see. There have been times they brought in the ark and they were defeated in battles. Because they were fighting a battle God didn't call them to. But there was this occasion they brought in the ark. And something that never happened before happened. The Bible said the Philistines came. If that's what is giving them victory, we want it. So they went there and they captured the ark. 
And they took away the ark. They brought the ark to their own camp. Now the Bible tells us that it became a reproach to the Philistines. So much that they said, wow, we have messed up. We need to return the ark to where it came from. So they bought brand new carts. And they put the ark on a cart. And they rolled it back to Israel. It's sad to say that from that time, the ark never went back to its original place. So they put the ark in a place called Baal in Judah. Now, Saul came. He became king. He never consulted the ark. He never brought in or inquired about the ark. He never brought the ark into any subject. He fought battles according to his hunches. Or his strength. Or his army strength. Or whatever he had in his arsenal. Everybody did things as they wanted to. But when David, the man after God's own heart came. When David came, something new happened. My prayer is this day, God will begin to start a revolution in your hearts. A crave, a hunger, a thirst for the presence of God on a corporate level. So David said, we're going to get the act back. In any way, on the day that they brought in the ark, that they were going to get the ark, so David bought brand new carts. Why? Because that's all he knew. The last time the ark was moved, it came on a brand new cart. So he brought brand new carts. Guys, let's bring in the, let's bring in the ark. He had got everybody involved. The Bible said, I stay. Traveled. The oxen stumbled. And Uzo, who was driving the, in charge of the chariot, of the cart rather, he reached out. And the Bible said he died. Now that's messed up things. Because he died on the spot. And David couldn't interpret it, couldn't understand. I was trying to do something good. I was only trying to serve. I was only trying to reach out to, I was only trying to witness to souls. I was only trying to, to walk in the office. I was only trying to do a presentation. And this happened. I was only trying to fall in love. And I was betrayed. How do you interpret when you know your heart is right? But the outcome really fell back on your face. You feel, why did I bother? Why should I try to be good? If trying brings pain. Why should I seek God? Why should I be a Christian? If for being a Christian is what I get out of it. Why should I go to church? If going to church will make me enemies to some people, why should I bother? If this is what the ark is all about, I want none of it. David was sad. Maybe this is the reason why nobody bothered to come to church. Maybe this is what happened when you try to fall in love. Maybe when you try to fall in love, this is what men do. I'd rather be by myself. I was better off. I was not known for killing people, but my decision brought the death of a man. And it, What happens to his family? David said, you know what? Leave the ark there. And they put the ark in the house of a man called Obedidom. Where's the nearest house? That place. Okay, push it there. 
Whoever wants it, let them have it. David walked back home. I want to think about David. He, here was David, a leader, who had told people, we're going to bring back the ark. And right in their presence, they saw one man died. It wasn't recorded, but I like to travel into stories in the Bible. And I was thinking, some of his officers are thinking, I think the king got this one wrong. God never sent him. This is the reason why nobody before our time ever tried it. Have you ever done the business and the business didn't work out and, and your friends and everybody around you are thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. You wanted to break into a new level. Okay, yeah, you got it. Why bother to try? But realize this, friends. David was a man after God's heart. Even if you fail, try. Let the motive of your heart be right. So David was in his house. And then he got the news. That Obedidon's house had been blessed. What did you say? Since we left the ark there. God had visited Obedidon. It had become a new place. Why? Because of the ark. David went in and quarried to God. His heart cried out to God. And David realized a number of things, which is where I want to start preaching this morning. David, he realized that it couldn't have been the ark that was wrong. It couldn't have been God. There must be something about that process that was wrong. Listen, friends. The times that God will not stop at anything... God will not stop us sacrificing anything just to get his purpose true in our lives. That's the thing about God. He can, he can sacrifice anything, and that sounds heavy. But I'm not God. I've seen God, he said, I will give men for you. Isn't it God say that? If God is after you, God is unto you, God is out to get you right, there is nothing he will not give. You feel you lost it, but God gained it to himself. And in this story, as you have a look at it, because here is the point. Some people said that Uzo shouldn't have touched it, and that's true. But it wasn't just the touch that was the problem. Why? Because the Philistines had the act to themselves. The Philistines touched the ark all over the place. They didn't have the instructions. They touched it. They carried it. They, they didn't die. So why is it that a child of covenant touched the ark and he died? There must be something. David realized there has to be something he's missing out. There must be something about God that is in the details. What do you mean? David realized that I must have missed something. God is in the details. Say that to yourself. God is in the details. Oh yeah. You know many times we like to think I can serve God the way I wish, the way I feel. I will do it my own way. Because I know that's not the way you're going to enjoy my presence. That's not the way. There is something about this generation that we feel we can serve God anyhow, anyway, any, anyhow we choose to. You know, we feel that we don't need to know the details. 
We sign contracts without knowing the details. We go into relationships without knowing the details. We call somebody our best friend without even knowing their best name. We do all kinds of stuff. We, we fall in love and we propose the next day without knowing the details. There is something about us that feel, I don't need to know the details. I just get into it. And therefore, we get out of it anyhow. The Bible says those who know their God, they will be strong and they will do exploits. How do you do exploit without knowing? We talk about a God we don't know. We talk about a relationship we are not investing into. We talk about a church we don't know. We talk about a career we have not built. We are quick to talk about, I have this, I have that, when we have not invested into it. God is in the details. You know the devil has stolen that line where he said, the devil is in the details. If God is not in the details, he would not have written it down. He wrote it down how he wants to be worshipped. He wrote it down how he wants us to confess. He wrote it down how we must, oh, those who, how we must approach him. God wrote it down. He wasn't the devil. He could have left every one of us just to serve anyhow. Worship any God you want. But the Bible says that. He said, no man can come to the Father except by me. I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and life. That's the detail. God is in the details. God made sure that when it comes to come into his presence, there is a way he has told us to. We all can think, is it not church? Is it not God? I can do it anyhow. No. It is the same God who set them to worship in the wilderness. It's the same God who asked them to come unto him. It's the same God who said, I will dwell on the inside of them. It's the same God who said, forsake not the assembly. You see the same God? It's the same God. So we need to know the details. We cannot know God without studying God, without knowing God. We can't say we don't need, let somebody just pray for us. So we are talking about a nation at this time that didn't know God. But they are God's people. Friends, nobody say we are not God's people. But the point is, are we with that God? Can we be bold about that God? When we are confronted with issues of life, can we stand on the God? It's only the God you know you can stand on. That's why come whatever may. When you know God, you stand. But I'm trying to say to us that there is a generation. And here is that generation. I'm not talking about young people. We, this generation, this country is a generation of people who don't know the God. And we want to produce the result of the old. How can that be? How does it happen? So here comes David. He wants to bring back the ark. But he didn't know the details. Because there was no such before his time. But when he heard that the ark blessed the house, he said, come. He pressed into the heart of God. And he realized that God is good all the time. God hasn't changed. So what changed was he lacked the details, the instructions. The instructions. 
There are seven points I want to give to you on this. Seven points of seeking his presence according to this story. It's in First Chronicles 15. As we see what happened. In First Chronicles 15, the Bible tells us, I'm just going to run through the points. David started the increase the passion once again. Okay, I'll read. David built houses for himself in the city of David. He prepared the place for the ark of the Lord and he picked a tent for it. Let me stop there. I will see what happened in the past. David didn't give up. He didn't give up on church. He didn't give up on relationship. He didn't give up on his career. He didn't give up on doing that business again. He did the seven things I want to leave with you. Number one, there was renewed pursuit. My dear friends, lockdown or no lockdown, second spike or no second spike, you need to have a renewed pursuit. There was a pursuit in your heart. That was a level of service you had for God. There was a goal you set before God. There was a desire in your heart at the beginning of this year. All your years you have said to yourself, I'm going to run after God. I'm going to serve God with all my heart. I'll give you all my heart, give you all my life. That's what your, that was your pursuit. Until something happened. Until something happened, you felt betrayed. You felt something happened in that business, in that ministry, in that career, in that business, whatever the thing is. You walked away, but you need to have a renewed pursuit, a renewed passion. You must say to yourself, I'll go again because God has not changed. Time may change, people may change, but God has not changed. Bring back God into the center of your things. Bring him back. It was you that used to wake up early to pray. It was you that used to wake up and get the children ready. We are going to worship. You used to get them ready every morning. I said, okay, children, let us pray. It was you. And then lockdown came. And then you left God out. Then you were followed. Then you said, you know what? I'm out of job now. God has not been good to me. You need to have renewed pursuit. A renewed love. A fervency that must come back even now. Church, HCC. That must be renewed pursuit. Amen. Every prophetic word that God gave to us, we must pick it up again. We must say to ourselves again, I will bless the Lord at all times. At all times. There will be no moment of my life that I will cease to bless the Lord. You must have that renewed pursuit, renewed prophecies and pick it up again. As a family, I know there have been a mess up. Somebody has let you down. Somebody has let you down, disappointed you. But look at each other again and have a renewed love. Renew your relationship. Renew your commitments. Say to yourself, it's not over. I will not give up. David could have given up. He could have left the ark where he was. But David said, no, I'm not giving up. I am coming again. I am pursuing again. I will go again. I ask you, go another time. Go again. Remember the story? The prophet told the man, he said, come on. He said, go to the sea. You will see the rain is about to fall. I see a rain about to fall over us. 
He said, the first time I went, there was nothing. He said, go back again. Go back again. Go back again. And then he went the third time. He said, wow. I see like a handful of cloud for me. He said, now get ready. I see the sound of abundance of rain. That must be a renewed passion, renewed pursuit. Number two, retrace your way. You want this God. You want to enjoy this God. You want to see the power of this God. Retrace your way. Retrace your way. You know something about retracing your way is you're not going to be the one saying it's somebody's fault. Yes. It is somebody's fault. It's Uzzah's fault. It's the oxen's fault. Retrace your way, my friend. David got to a point where he had to say to himself, oh, where did I miss it? I must have done something wrong. It's not my mother-in-law's problem. It's not my father-in-law's problem. It's not my village people's problem. I must have done something wrong. Where did I miss it? Let me, unless you turn and return, my friend, you will not get it better next time. David retraced his ways. You know, by retracing his ways, he discovered some things. Until you stop press, and stop accusing others, and stop thinking that they should change. He should change. My wife should change. My husband should change. You retrace your ways. Retrace your ways. Very important. In retracing his ways, you know what he found out? He found out a number of things. The Bible tells us in Numbers chapter 4. Numbers chapter 4 verse 15. A number of things he discovered. He found out that the Bible says in Numbers 4 15. And when Aaron and his sons had finished covering the sanctuary. And all the furnishing of the sanctuary. When the camp is set to go. Camp is set to go. Then the sons of Kota shall come and carry them. But they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. Oh, oh. It was written down before now. That there are a specific kind of people that should carry this ark. These things. These are the things in the tabernacle of meeting. Which the sons of Kota are to carry. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 9. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 9. So Moses wrote this law. He wrote it down. And he delivered it to the priest, the sons of Levi, who bore the ark of the covenants. See? Of all the Lord. And the Bible said, and he said it to all the elders of Israel. David retraced his steps. He said, wow. I was zealous, but I was not informed. And lastly, the Bible tells us, among several other references, in Joshua chapter 3, verse 3. Here was Joshua. When they were about to cross the river Jordan. He commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, you shall set out from your place and go after it. You see that? He retraced his steps and for the first time in this pursuit David did some things different. Number three, prepare. You want the presence of the Lord. Prepare. Prepare that it will interrupt your flow. Prepare that it will interrupt your schedule. Don't be too full in your life and in your mind, in your mindset. That God has no place. 
prepare for the Lord is coming. You say, God, I want you, Lord. I need you prepare that he's going to instruct you. Prepare that he's going to tell you what you might not even like sometimes. David prepared. You see, the first time they ran out, the second time he prepared the place before going at all. He prepared the tent where when they come, they're going to put him. Prepare. When you want a guest in your house, you know they're going to have an important guest. They're arriving from somewhere. They're going to arrive tomorrow morning. What do you do? You prepare before they come. You get a room ready. You get new beddings, new bedspreads, new towers. You prepare because an important guest is coming. David prepared. David knew what it means to expect God. He's doing this on behalf of the nation. This morning, are we prepared that the Lord will invade our homes? Invade our ministry? Is our heart open for what God will say to us? It's easy to say God is with me. See, many people say that. We forget the fact that God really wants us to be there for him too. David prepared. He prepared a place. A place marked for the dwelling of the Lord. Is your heart prepared? How do you mean? If you say you want God, your heart is not prepared, when God begins to speak to you, my friend, what do you really feel? You said you want God to talk to you. Now God begins to talk to you. Why should you be offended? Why should you say, God, why are you talking about me? It means you were not prepared. Because you say, God, coming to me. And God is going to come, my friend. Prepare that he will tell you. He will tell you where you missed it. He will tell you where you should go. He will tell you how to encourage. That's what it means to be prepared. Hallelujah. Number four. There has to be process. There is a process of embracing God. Yes, I know there is. There is a process of embracing God. There is a process of falling in love. There is a process of making love. There is a process of growing in love. There is a process of building marriage. There is a process of building family. There is a process of investing in business. God is a God of love. And there is a process into God. We must know that. David found out that for God to come, there is a process he put in place. Wow. I didn't know that. I thought I could just say, let's go and do something good, and I just do it. You know why you want to give somebody a gift? Think about this. You don't just meet them on the road. Oh, Wale, happy birthday to you. Bam. And then the person will say, excuse me. Just because you want to give me a check, or you want to give me a shoe, or you want to give me whatever, you want to give me a glass of water, you don't just bam. There is a process. You see, if we understand that to human beings, how about God? There used to be a time, not now anymore, when some people want to give gifts to myself and my wife, and then they'll bring it to us right in the church. We used to say to them, whatever you have brought, that's not how to do stuff. And people got better. And people knew how to ask certain people around us. And that's how to do things. You can't say, oh, by the way, what's your size of your shoe? What's, there's a process. 
If I want to get to you, I know you have children. There's a process of, we must understand that this our God, he's a God of excellence. God put process in place, uh, people that must be spoken to. You see, before this time, these people have become relegated in Israel. You didn't see their relevance. They were still there, but they were not in any national topic. So David called the Levites, called the priests, called the heads of the families. And David told them what they had to do. That is a process. The Levites were to carry. He said that, I love what he says. Let's, let's read that verse again in First Chronicles 15. I'll read from verse 11. He says, and David called Zadok Abiata the priest for the Levites, for Ura, Isaiah, Joel, Shammah. He listed all their names and he said to them, you are the heads of the father's houses of the Levites. Sanctify yourself, you and your brother, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord, God of Israel, to the place I prepare for it. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us. You see a man who is recognizing his error because we did not consult him about the proper order. You see that? There is an order. There is a process. We talk about power of God. We talk about might of God, but we often forget the fact that there is a method and a process to God. There is. Number five. Dedicated service. If you want God, we do want God. We must understand that this is our God. He's a God that wants us to dedicate ourselves to his service. We dedicate ourselves. We dedicate things we have dedicated unto the Lord must stay dedicated. We must dedicate our vessels. We must dedicate our time. Dedicate our talents. He introduced the priesthood to the nation. He said before now, Anybody did as they wanted to do, but I want you to understand you must dedicate yourself. As believers, if we really want to carry the presence of God, we must stay dedicated. These families have been listed here. They are dedicated to that purpose. Are you dedicated? Are you a person who understands that you must be dedicated to your service? Members of HCC, are we dedicated to the call? To the assignments of the house. To bring the people. A people that God is going to walk in. To bring them from all kinds of walks of life. Dedicate ourselves. That when we go out to work. When we go out to school. When we go out to the places. Wherever we find ourselves. Or traveling. We must do for such ruined lives. So that we can bring out the best of God out of them. Dedicated to that course. You know you can't do something. And they say, well, I just want God to do it occasionally. We can't go on holidays on God. Number six. I'll round up in a few minutes. The Bible says, as they proceeded. In verse 16. David spoke to these leaders of the Levites. Appoint their, their brethren to be singers. Accompanied by instruments of music. Stringed instruments, harps, and cymbals by raising their voice with resounding joy. Did you notice? David knew the problem was not the worship that we had in the last time. 
But he had now read. He had seen what was missing. Because he knew God dwells in the praises of his people. So he ensured there has to be praise there. Friends, in our embracing and seeking the presence of God, there must be exuberant praise. Exuberant, look at the word I use. Exuberant praise and worship. We can't come to God and say, God, I want your presence. But you know what? You like, you can come into me. You like, you can use me. I don't need to praise we would rather go and break dance and be sweating in parties. We dance, 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 dance in parties, and that's good. But don't forget to dance when you say you are praising your God. Exuberant praise and worship. He told the people, you must sing, you must dance, you must rise up and raise your voice. Raise your voice, resounding joy. This is the corporate worship David was introducing. David could dance in the, in the wilderness by himself. He could sing to God by himself. But he needs us nothing. Like when we come together, there the Lord commands his blessing. Exuberant praise and worship. And the last, but not the least, must acknowledge ownership. There has to be acknowledged ownership and source. David knew that God is a source of everything. He knew that God is a source of everything. My dear friend, if God is a source, why would I argue? Why would I think twice? You can't say God is with me if you don't know who really God is. Who wants you? Who wants what you have? Who wants all that you have? David knew that God is the owner of all. He knew that God is all. So the Bible says, every six steps that they took, he had stop, 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 stop. Bring an oxen. He killed a fatted oxen and burnt the offering unto God. They saw the bone and then we began to dance again, dance again. Stop. Every six steps. Every, I want to just imagine what happened. Every six steps, he believed that you deserve it. Can you see that? We sing the songs, but do we do the acts? Does he deserve it to you? Some of us feel that all he deserves, I just give him the leftover change. Leftover change. Even when there's online giving, certain people's offering are still missing. Online giving. Angels are taking their offering. Every six steps, he, did, he, he killed a fatted calf to sacrifice unto God. Every, think about every six steps. We didn't say the journey was 100 yards. David felt God owned it all. And I came to think, I believe, that must have been the time that he wrote the Psalm, Psalm 24. Because of the significance of that Psalm to the story. He must have said that the earth is the Lord as a sacrifice before God and the fullness thereof. The world and those who dwell in it. He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters who may ascend to the hills of the Lord who may stand before his holy place. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Why? Because he realized, God, you see my heart. Everything that's happened is in my pursuit of your presence. He was not lifted up his soul to an idol. 
An idol, my friend, is not because you have something in the corner of your room. Money is an idol to many people. Career is an idol. For some people, their family is an idol. David said, I will sacrifice all for you. Bring another oxen. Killed it. He said, no, he who has sown deceitfully, he shall receive blessing of the Lord and righteousness from the God of our salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him. Why are we doing this? We are seeking your presence. We are bringing back your presence unto corporate worship in our nation. This is why we are doing this, Lord. We are seeking your presence. There is, he said, Jacob. Listen, Jacob had gone. Jacob is a person who you could see that he's not that he did everything right, but his heart was right towards God. He said, You, O God, who seek your face, lift up your heads. Oh, ye gates and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors. Let the king, as we come into Jerusalem, let the king of glory. You see what is going on here? David knew, I am bringing God back into the headquarters. Lift up your head, oh ye gates. As we step into Jerusalem, as we step into this family, let the king of glory come in. I said the king of glory will come into your home. He will come into your business as you open your hearts this morning. As you give him praise, as you give him worship, I see God coming in. Who is a king? Is a king of glory. He said, this Lord, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. I asked myself this question. So who inspired David to do this? Who inspired him? How did he know this? Then I remember this is a David. A David that knew how to plug into God in a dimension that men had not yet seen. A David that knew how to call on God in the cave. That's why God said, in the end time, I am bringing back the tabernacle of David. The tabernacle of David is not a building, but it's a heart that presses into God so that men can enjoy the presence of God together. He said it's in ruins. That dimension is in ruins. Nations have lost it. Churches have lost it. But in this same time, I'm bringing it back. People who will know that it's the benefit in the individual worship. And there's a joy in the corporate worship. I'm bringing it back. So in closing. Revelations 21. From 3 to 6, the Bible now says. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. As you are listening to me, wherever you are this morning. I see God tabernacle with you. In your home, it tabernacles with you. In your business, it tabernacles with you. The Bible said he's dwelling in you. He will dwell with you. Amen. He said you shall be his people. He will be your God. I see God say you are his and you are his and he's with you. In the name of Jesus, God himself will be with them. Keep going. And he will be their God. He said he will wipe away every tear. I see that God will wipe away tear from this nation. We will no longer be counting death, 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 death upon death. In the name of Jesus, we wipe away every tear from our eyes, from our home, from our businesses. In the name of Jesus, there shall no more be death. In the harmony, no more be death of the youth, no more be death of the infant. Even the old will go old, grow old, grow old, grow old. And in their 
peace they will go to be with the Lord. There will be no sickness, no sorrow, no sadness, no crying. In the name of Jesus, there shall be no more pain, no more sickness. In the mighty name of Jesus, no more sickness. I cover everyone in the blood of Jesus. No coronavirus invasion. In the mighty name of Jesus, no matter what they are saying out there, it will not be your portion because the corporate presence of God is upon us as a people. He said, no cry, there shall be no more pain. The former things are passed away, passed away, passed away. He said, then who sat on, I love this. He said, who sat upon the throne? I said, God sits upon the throne of your heart. Behold, I make all things new. I make all things new in the name of Jesus. He said to me, write it. Write these words. They are true and faithful. Come on, keep going. The last one. He said in verse 6, and he said to me, it is done. Somebody say it is done. It is settled. I prophesy healing to your body. It is settled. I prophesy protection on your household. It is settled. I decree your job is secured. It is settled. It is done. God said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I give the fountain of water to who he will thirst. As you begin to thirst for his presence, Task for his presence. Task the God I need you in my home. Lord, I want you in my life. Lord, I want you in our fellowship. I want you in our church. I thirst for your presence. I crave for your presence. Receive it right now. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We do hope you have been blessed. Our special thanks go to all our partners who give generously to support our ministry. You are welcome to be one of us. If you'd like someone to talk to you on any of the issues raised in today's message, please do call us on plus four four. 208-597-3110 or you visit our website www.hccenter.org.uk May the peace of the Lord guard you and keep you till we meet again.